believe in the fight game. Hello everyone, this is Charles Yao with Believe in the Fight Game on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team and every sport in LA and more. We believe in sports. Do you believe? Hello. Hey, what's up, Blanca? How's it going? Hey, pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for uh, doing this pod for me, for the listening audience. Uh, me and Blanca know, have known each other for quite some time, and she's an extraordinary photographer, a kind human, and she also trains in jiu-jitsu, which is dope. Thank you. How'd you get into martial arts? Um, I actually had to have a self-defense class for one of my employers that had a woman that was um, actually abused, or not abused, but um, she was attacked by a fellow co-worker. And so for us to do our due diligence, I had to find a self-defense class. And the first person, or the first group that came on the Google search was uh, the Gracies. The, the brothers, Henner and Hiran? Or was it a yes. Horion? Oh, okay. It was the great, yeah, Hunter and Hedon Gracie self-defense classes in uh, Torrance. And how'd you react to it? Um, I actually took uh, one of my good friends with me the first day that we went there. Um, I was very timid, and I thought, I'm going to go ahead and have my friend try it out first. And we met Hunter Gracie there. And Henner Gracie um, said, no, you have to, you have to put the gi on, you have to, this is a, a standby kind of thing, you have to put on a gi. And I wasn't prepared for it, so I said, okay, I don't have any gi. They gave us a gi to try on. And the first thing Henner does is uh, he puts us on the mat, and um, first time ever, and he mounts us and he tells us, see if you can get out of this, if somebody's choking you. And I was a little bit freaked out because I had never experienced anything like that before. And we tried for several minutes trying to get out, trying to get him off our, us because he was mounted on us, choking us. And uh, he finally showed us uh, to trap the arm and the hip, to trap the leg and the hip. And um, he has a little story about that of his own. And he says, ever since that, I never took off the gi, which is true. 10, 11 years later, and I'm still doing jujitsu. You know what's common that I see with most uh, women, not to make it about that, but it's like a lot of people, a lot of the females would normally react and go, but why do I put on the gi? I'm not normally wearing like a thick jacket. Did that run through your head at all? Yes. Okay. Yes. That was, the, that was one of the first reactions. I was like, yeah, I don't wear this on the streets. Why would this, you know, like I, I didn't get it. At the time. And what was this like? I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. And was this like in the 90s already? Like late 90s, early 2000s when you started? This is the early 2000s that we started. Okay. Like 2008, I think. And, and were you working as a photographer then already? Or was this just for uh, like, a, like a regular career? office job no I've, I've always been a photographer okay my photography always came first okay so with with henner and hiran was it an actual build-up of interest like okay i'm kind of curious or 
Were you like hooked right away? I was actually hooked the first day. The first day I was hooked and um, I kept on coming, even though at that time I lived in Pasadena. So wow. I, I would try to come as much as possible to the classes. Yeah. Right. Because for the and, list. Oh, go ahead. So that, uh, during that time, um, Pasadena did not have any, any other gym that did jujitsu at that time. The only one that was there was Gracie Baja. And at the time, um, whenever I would go by there, they were always closed. I'm sorry, but they were. <laughs> and uh, so I was uh, more familiar with Hunter and Hidon. So I drove from Pasadena to Torrance to train every other day. Now, this is more like a survey question because a lot of people who listen to this pod are, are I'm gaining like a newer, younger audience. A lot of people don't realize if that Gracie Baja school was open, you wouldn't be training with Henry and Hiron because there's the, the travel from Pasadena and, and Torrance. You know, I mean, now in 2020, almost all, not every every school, but almost all schools are adequate in teaching. And, yeah. and that changes the fortunes for someone like Eddie Bravo. Would you have just stopped and trained in in Gracie Baja Pasadena at that time if they were open regularly? If they were open regularly, I think I would have um, been started. I would have started with Gracie Baja instead of Henner and Hidon. But there was something about, honestly, there was something about Henner and Hidon that just, they treated me like family and I just felt more of a family aspect with them. And do you feel, this is just my observation, so check me if I'm wrong. It felt like they were one of the first ones to really welcome and push for females to train in jujitsu in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yes, they were. Did you find they a lot? Very... Did you find a lot of uh, women to train with? Yes, at the academy, yes. There was um, a lot of women that would um, come from the South Bay area and actually from all over the place. We had, um, at that time, um, police officers, I didn't want to be known as police officers, uh, training kind of undercover. Um, they wouldn't tell us what they would do for a living, but we kind of knew. Um, so it was interesting. It was, uh, and we had a lot of moms that would come in with their kids and, uh, they would have the persuasion of talking to the parents into training with their kids. And that was the first time I had ever seen that. Well, it was the first time I were doing jujitsu too. So, it was just a learning curve for me altogether. Do you still get to pass by and say hi to them or are you too busy now? I've been really busy. I do try to stop by, but I haven't been there in a while. Was there a difference in teaching or personality in a sense between Henner and Hiron? Like was one more offensive, one is more defensive. I know they're they're all. In, I'm in not the- gonna I'm not gonna say because I think they're both fantastic and amazing instructors. I can't say one is better than the other. They're just very different. <laughs> very different. Like is but one also. But like is oh, one is one like discipline based or one is like maybe uh, without trying to stir controversy or anything like that, right? But to highlight both greatness between the brothers. Is what is the spirit of what I was asking? Oh, I I think Henner has um, Henner. You know when he's in the room, 
Hidong kind of can surprise you a little bit. Um, so Hunter, Hunter is really good. I mean, you can tell when Hunter's in the room, you can automatically tell he's in the room. He he just has this great presence. I sort of heat on, but like it's it's just different with uh, Hunter than it is with heat on. Yeah, there's a tendency from when I watch videos and even when uh, Meta Morris was still running, like Hunter has that very almost on air type personality where it, it's a glowing presence. You know, even just mm-hmm. audio wise. Uh, oh yeah, he's fantastic. He's great. And and with with your training, I assume it was from white and blue, and then you stopped. Yeah, I um I was with them I think for four years, and then I wanted to compete a little bit more. And they're not really a competition school; they're more self defense school. So I kind of took a break and the break ended up being a little bit longer than what I had anticipated. And it's, I got the, the blue belt blues, so to, so to speak, because I was gone for four years and then I came back. And when I came back, I started training with uh, Black House in uh, Redondo Beach with uh, Luis Panza and uh, Kenny Johnson, who we, um, I started doing uh, wrestling classes with Kenny Johnson as well. And we would see a lot of MMA um, fighters come and go, obviously, to the Black House at Source. And um, it was fantastic just to have, like, a more aggressive approach to it. But I did miss the curriculum that I had at the, at the Gracie Academy that was so structured. And you knew exactly what you were learning and how to, how to apply it. At Black House, it was more like, um, because there was such a, a turnaround with uh, different instructors, you would have an MMA fighter come in, you would have Jacare coming in, you would have, like, I'm telling you, UFC fighters at that time coming in and teaching you jiu-jitsu. And it was very under, like, under the radar, that not too many people knew about it. But, yeah, we had top-notch uh, fighters coming in there, and we would be rolling with all these different UFC fighters, Bellator fighters at the time. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. So did did your game change? Did you become more aggressive? Yes. Um, with Luis Ponce, I believe, I, with him being my instructor, I feel like I became a little bit more aggressive, and he was the one that actually taught me the point system for IBJJF. Interesting. And did you find did you find it to where, like, point system, dude, I'm training with MMA fighters now. What the fuck? <laughs> You know, it didn't come to me until, like, we would have, um, and I don't know if you know who, who actually trains at Black House, but we have a lot of, like, top-notch. And I, and I still talk like I'm still at Black House because I love those guys, too. Like, every place that I have left, I've always left on good terms. Um, so it's been good to, like, kind of see them, and I still get the guys going, hey, when are you coming back and training with us? Um, but we had, like like I said, Jacare before um, I came in, and Kenny Johnson has a lot of high-end, like, just seeing um, – from the UFC that would come in. We had Tiffany, um, the time bomb come in and she wanted to know jujitsu. So we were training with her. So yeah, these, these women and men that would come in, they were high end. they weren't just whoever they were really good, uh, fighters, but had no idea what was going on with jujitsu. So we would, we'd actually be like their little dummies and we would <laughs> have them beat us up and stuff and try to sharpen their tools and jujitsu as well. Did you ever get to catch Tiffany train in stand-up at Black House? 
Um, no, but she offered that um, if she would give me little tips if I ever, you know, put on the gloves and stuff. But it was never like a formal kind of boxing. It was just her and I just messing around. But she's a great, just an amazing athlete and just a, an amazing person to begin with, too. So she was really good. She was always very humble. So how was she in jiu-jitsu? Was she aggressive or was she like, all right, this is a new art. I need to empty my cup and be humble and just wrinkle my eyebrows and listen and learn. Oh yeah, for sure. She would actually listen to everything that we would have to, you know, say. And the good thing is that I had been with the Gracie's for four years. So, you know, teaching the basics for me, wasn't hard to teach some of the, the, up and coming MMA fighters. So it's interesting. So when I photograph some of them, they remember me from Black House and they're like, hey, how are you? So, you know, a lot of these people, you know, I've been photographing forever and I started MMA back in 2007. So a lot of these stars now, I've actually photographed all their careers. Some of them complete careers and some of them still going on careers. And, and at that point, were you thinking, Black House is the permanent home while you were training there? Um, I, I, I never thought it was going to be my permanent home. Um, I moved to Huntington Beach shortly after, and it was really hard from, you know, people that aren't from California think that everything's all together and it's not. Huntington Beach from Redondo Beach is, is quite a ways, so I was looking around for a new gym, and I had Cobrinha that brought up Octavio Sosa when I was photographing for Storm. He said, um, why don't you train with um, Octavio? He's right there in Huntington Beach. And I said, oh, yeah. Like, at that time when I had moved to Huntington Beach, his academy hadn't opened yet. So it wasn't a, I was um, sometimes training at New Breed in Santa Fe Springs. And, um, yeah, so my I, – I, I was getting tired of jumping – I wasn't a gym jumper per se because I wanted to find a home, like a home home. And when I met, well, I had known Octavio for years. Um, I said, I don't know, let's try it out. And me and Octavio had this this great um, chemistry and he was a great teacher. And I said, great, let's do this. And I got the same feeling that I did when I was at the Gracie Academy. It felt like family. So I decided to stay with uh, Gracie Bahad and go with Octavio Sosa. And then everything's cool because, you know, Hannah and Ron are cousins with Grown. And there's also, hey, you're no longer with our academy. So there wasn't any complications or everything kept diplomatic between you and... Yeah, every, everything was fine. Um, Hannah and Hiron had always told me, no matter where you go, and actually it was Rose Gracie that said this to me and she said it so beautifully. She said, no matter where you go, jujitsu is like a big house and you're just going to a different room when you train with a different person. We're all the same family and jujitsu is life. So, you know, she, she's such an amazing and such a brilliant woman and I have so much respect for her. And so when she said that to me, I was just like, wow, this is, this is just amazing. And yeah, you're right. It, it's all the same. No matter wh- where you train at, in jiu-jitsu, you're always family. Well, it's easy also in a sense of you being a photographer and you're kind of notarized in the field. They go, okay, there's Blanca. Or did that <laughs> not help at all, do you, do you feel? I mean, it does. It does help. It does help. Um, 
I do cover a lot of different events. So, yeah, I, I, I try to stay very neutral with everyone. And I love from Checkmat to um, Atos to AOJ to um, De La Hiva, to all these top, um, top team, Brazilian team. You know, it's, everyone is amazing. I don't, I don't try to say one's good, one's bad. I think they're all fantastic and they're all great in their own right. Right, because it's all different math to 10, right? Some are like 5 times 2, 9 plus 1. It's just different maths to 10, yes. you know? Yeah, and, definitely. And speaking of that math, like, is how is uh, Professor Souza's uh, method? Because at the Gracie's, you say they're both family, but there has to be a little bit of difference in comparison, right? Or, or There is. Fabio's always pushing me to compete. Mm. And um, I, I competed a few times when I was with the Gracie's, and it was actually Holly Gracie that would say, I will train her personally if we're not going to do this. I, wanna, I want her to compete. So Octavia really wants me to compete. Well, obviously right now it's not a good time, but I was really thinking of doing Master Worlds this year. Ah. Uh, well, because, I, you know, part of the my curiosity about you is like, Dude, Blanca's like a purple belt and she photographs all these like out of this world tournaments and she must get juice to want to compete on the mat after working with so many different masters. I do. I sometimes do. And I'll be honest, I sometimes sneak into, um, you know, my my age category, my weight category, and I just like look and see who's actually there. And I kind of like uh see oh i don't know i i, I think i want to do it but yeah it's just i have so many people that ask me to photograph during these um big events that it's hard for me to say to be selfish and be like no i want to compete and and leave other people um without having a photographer photograph their event or their matches is it scarce to find photographers that are trusted because like in media, uh, when I was still with satellite radio, there's like, everyone's invited, but there's like one out of 10 that is welcome to talk to the superstar. So is that the same thing with you guys? There's a bunch of photographers, but there's the special crop of photographers. I, I think it's different. Yeah. I think with, with us as photographers, we have the OGs, um, which is like, Kenny Jewell, Mike Columbus, uh, Cooper, uh, myself, that have been nonstop going for so many years. We have the newbies, obviously. But I think because so many um, world champions are so used to us, and sometimes we travel, at least I, I think I'm the only one that travels internationally with them um, to different events like Spider and to Abu Dhabi World Pro, it's, I become more of a friend to them. And so they see me, and, and it was interesting because I, I actually had Lucas Rocha say this to me when we were heading to, towards South Korea last year, and he said, I feel so at home when I see you, even though you're on my plane and we're not sitting next to each other, I still feel like, okay, I'm not going so far away because you're here with me. And that felt really good to hear, honestly. It was really nice for him to say that. Yeah, and if I were a promoter, I'd be go, okay, B's here. So I know I'm going to get photos that are dope somehow. You know what I mean? It's like part of a production where it's like, okay, this guy's great with audio. He's here. Good. We don't have to worry about audio anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, but, and I, I, 
I, I think that that's where he 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 met too. I don't know, but it was good. It was, it's it's good to travel across. Well, right now we're on a standstill, but I love traveling internationally to cover these guys. Did did your this is a weird question, but I'm really curious about you, Blanca. Um, did you advancing into purple belt also kind of change your awareness in photography? In other words, like maybe because you're more smarter and more knowledgeable in, in jujitsu and it's like, Oh, I know this transition's coming. So I'm going to take this photo now, or I'm going to move here. Yes. Yes. And, and because I've, tr- I've uh, photographed um, certain people a lot, I know certain setups. I know whether they're right-handed or left-handed. I know what happens when they're caught in a delahiva, how they're going to move. And it's very interesting because I, I look through so many photos and I photograph certain world champions all the time that I can tell you what's going to happen in a matter of seconds if Ushesha goes up against so, like whoever he's going to go with. I know exactly his move to each one without even thinking about it. So even with, with like Luis uh, Panza and you have like Gabriel Argis, um, who I photograph a lot, I can see their movements to each person it's like a different formula for each person, but I can already estimate what they're going to do before they do it. Asking as a friend here, and you don't have to answer it, but like when Bushesha went for a footlock against Gordon Ryan, you were like, oh, nothing's going to happen here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't there at ADCC this year. I had a photograph Bellator, but, um, I I, um, I saw that and I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Gordon's no, no. Gordon Ryan knows his, his thing pretty well, so yeah, no. But also, what I'm also interested in um, having the listening audience um, learn from you is because your your career path has crossed over with something you really like doing, which is jujitsu. Uh, mm-hmm. On the f- fundamental aspect. How'd you get into photography? Oh, I studied photography when I was in high school. Uh And I actually went to school for photography. So I was actually into fashion photography first. So, yeah, it's just very interesting how it went from fashion. And then I've always been a big fan of sports. And I did some semi-internship for ESPN. So I, I did cover some NFL games, NHL games. NBA games. Um, I have a great photo of um, of Magic Johnson when he was actually there, one of his last years there. So yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, and this was back in the day when it was film, so it's high quality, <laughs> and um, we had to learn how to shoot fast. So that was one thing that really benefited me when I went into jujitsu. Is like you have to shoot fast and you have to know what you're doing, and you have. Uh, back in the day when it was film, you didn't have a lot of film to take with you. So if you were going to shoot it, you had to shoot it right first, the first time, so that you didn't lag behind on post-production. And that's why my turnaround time is so fast, because I try to shoot it right the first time. Instead of going back and doing all this post-filter and all that stuff, I don't know if you noticed, but my photos don't have a lot of filtration into them for that reason. Right, and I, I think for the 35 and under or maybe 30 and under, post, when you're on film, seems like it's a nightmare because you have to turn off. I mean, you're in a dark room, it's a colored room, and it's almost like you're painting 
something. Oh, yeah. In a process. And everything is different. Uh, not every photo is going to be the same. But, you know, like when you're doing stuff, when you're doing sports and you're doing something for a client, you have to make sure the consistency is there. Otherwise than that, it, it's kind of like jujitsu. Consistency is the most important thing. Um, repetition is the most important thing. And that's where you get the most out of anything, I think. Especially with me being a photographer, I can't lag behind when we do Eddie Bravo stuff or UFC Fight Pass, we have to make sure that we get the photos out within a matter of seconds. So I have to make sure that I'm shooting correctly the first time around because I'm not going to have a second chance to make a first impression of whatever happened. So do you feel the film era was integral or integral to you going, I got that shot right away. Like you knew, boom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and in the beginning, oh, yeah. in the beginning, was it harder to learn like ISO, white balance, framing, headroom, look room? Uh, what was a challenge for you? Or did you pick it up right away since you were always so interested in it? I was always so interested in it. And in high school, I photographed a lot of wrestlers. So I uh, already knew like being on the mat, what to look for and how to crop it correctly. Okay. Uh, so because I just interviewed Trinity Pun, the the fourteen year old who won at submissions on the shore, mm-hmm. she wanted to be a ballerina, and then she oh, wow. she took like one jujitsu class and was like, oh, what's ballet? So for you, do you think it's the same way? Where what was I thinking about fashion photography? Right when you interned, you were like, ah, this is it, or did you still have fat uh, like a uh, fashion? In the back of your mind. I, I still love fashion. I, I, I've always loved fashion, and I sometimes do photo shoots with different athletes, and I, I take them out to the area, and I have my hairstylist and my makeup artist come in and do different crazy things with them, just because I still love the creativity of it. And that's an aspect. That's a totally different photography that I don't want to saturate because I feel like my sports photography is saturated so much because until last month, I would have a – and I feel bad saying this, but like ever since the coronavirus came out, I I had an event every week, every weekend, and I was booked all the way until August. And now when this happened, now it's totally changed my whole dynamic. And I'm, I was laughing because I said I think I should go back to doing darkroom stuff so I could be all by myself and and quarantine myself in the darkroom and I'll be <laughs> good as long as I'm in the darkroom. <laughs> yeah, because the process, it, it takes time to do it so you don't, like, ponder during the day. Yeah, the days go by fast when you're in a dark room. If you're an old-fashioned photographer like myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but, you know, when you... So, wait, are, are you de- defensive about it in a sense of, like, yo, this is my underground stuff, this fashion stuff. Do you have, do you, do you have like, your own solo Instagram or, I or website? I do. Mm. I do. Um, I have a Latina design. I, I kind of integrated it a little bit, but I'm thinking of pulling away a little bit more because I do have some clients recently that have come to me and said, I want you to shoot more fashion. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. I'm going back into fashion. So, um, yeah, not, not full time. I mean, my sports, my jujitsu, my MMA is always going to be first on uh, there but yeah it's it's good to kind of do a little bit of moonlighting once in a while right because 
it's a great mental break, even though it's still photography, but it's, it's a different part of your brain that works, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, I, I used to film uh, for like a couple of tournaments, nothing big, but I found myself watching <laughs> the, the action more then it's just sometimes I, by my fault, I, yeah, I'd be out of frame because I'm like, oh my God, he, he snapped the triangle right there. But did you ever go through that <laughs> with your photography? <laughs> you know, um, I actually, in the first couple ones of the, fir- uh, the first world uh, tournaments that I did for jiu-jitsu way back in the day, I kind of did move my camera a little bit and I was just like, but see, and IBJJF rules, if you're a photographer and you're media, you cannot cheer for anybody. But when it gets to that point where it's like, oh my God, now I'm, you know, I have a steady hand and I watch and even though it's great and somebody's ripping somebody's arm or somebody's jumping up, you just can't put the camera down. You have to follow it all the way straight through until the end. So you just corrected yourself within like a tournament? (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was, (sighs) I don't even want to say who it was, but it, it sure. was somebody almost bro- got their foot broken, and I kind of like screeched a little bit, like "Oh my god!" And I, I got kind of a little bit yelled at by the refs, like "You can't, you can't cheer!" Like, and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's hard to hold in your emotions, especially because I am friends with a lot of these guys, and I don't try if I, I try not to cheer either or for anybody, but it's just. Yeah, it's just amazing just to see. Well, also, um, just if the te- technique is dynamic, whether you like the person or not, if, if the, someone pulls off something amazing, how can you not be emotional considering you train? Yeah. You know, so... I get that a lot more at EBIs, I'll be honest with you. At EBIs, when the women are doing their, their thing, they're, they do so many crazy, like, so many amazing things of what their bodies can do and what they try to do and how they try to get the submission is just amazing for EBI. It, those girls are just awesome. Do, do you find it more difficult to shoot combat jujitsu versus EBI because they're striking or what's the difference? Is there any different challenges from shooting either? I, I feel like it's like the teenager from like jujitsu is the baby, uh, combat jujitsu is the teenager, and UFC is like the adult uh, because it's like you go from semi strikes to major strikes on there. So it's it's you get blood for sure, you you get the hit sound, but you don't get a regular jujitsu, and yeah, it's it's brutal, it's it's savage, and I love it. Do you think? EBI, I'm asking, is Charles the homie now? Do you think EBI is ever going to get to close fist? Mm, I don't think so. I think he, I don't think so. I wish, but I don't think so. I, I think it's genius that what Eddie's doing is like, hey, let me put out regular EBI first, and then we got combat jujitsu because he loves jujitsu and he wants jujitsu to win and progress so much. I think combat jujitsu is just, it's amazing for him to put that together. Do you find a difference in like the, the type of fighter? Like, are they more tenacious? Are they more laid back? They're more tenacious and they're more UFC fighters that want to be in combat jujitsu than you can imagine. The, 
the amount of, of MMA fighters that actually want to be, and not just UFC, but Bellator too, like different fighters that really want to do combat jiu-jitsu, just, it's incredible. I have my suspicions, but why, why do you think that is? I think they want to test themselves and see, you know, it's, it's just a different format. And I love the format that Eddie Bravo has created in this. It's, it's a new buzz. And some people will like it. Some people will hate it. I think it's amazing. I think it's great for both sports. Yeah, and do you find one more exciting? Because you, you pretty much have the gambit. You have, I, I've even seen you do uh, kickboxing and Muay Thai tournaments. So what's, mm-hmm. what's the most preferred to shoot and why? Honestly, I would have to say women's. Um, um, women's EBI or women's um, combat jiu-jitsu because like I said before women do not hesitate to engage and I love that they're just far more aggressive yes man and they're not scared to try different formats I mean usually when when, and I love IBJJF world pro like I love all those but I sometimes feel like the guys they know each other so well because they've gone up against each other in pans or American nationals. So they already know what they're going to do. So sometimes it's a little bit stale, but with these women, the women don't care. Like you can have a certain move. Um, and I've watched Mackenzie during, I mean, she's freaking amazing in whatever she does. And with her, Michelle Nicolini, like they, they go hardcore all the time. And then when I see like the girls on combat jujitsu, it's just a different level. It's it's just a totally different level in in trying to get that submission. Like they want that submission. They don't care about points. They just want the submission. Do you even find that like in uh, you mentioned on the phone before we uh, decided to do this pod? Like you were in South Korea. Did you get to film any women fighting in South Korea? Yeah, they um. We actually went to the spider gym and there are a few women that were actually rolling with Leandro Lowe. Oh my gosh. And that was a dream come true for them. I mean, it would be a dream come true for me. I've actually rolled with Leandro Lowe, but I mean, it was a dream come true for them too. <laughs> um, and um, they have more women coming into jujitsu in South Korea than what people know. Well, you know, this this is another question that I've been trying to see how much the grappling game, not even just jiu-jitsu, the grappling game has grown. Like in the early 2000s, Asia and the UK had very weak wrestling or they were labeled like they lacked a lot of wrestling. Do you think that's improving from your last visit or is that too narrow and short an experience to determine? No, I think it's I think it's expanding a lot, and especially last year when I went to Abu Dhabi, mm. I saw a lot of women. And no, you don't have to wear a scarf all the time over there, and no, they don't treat you like you're a second-rate citizen. They actually were very great with all the people that were coming to visit their country, and it was one of the most safest places I've ever been to. Yeah, I've never been, and I'm, I mean, I'm Filipino and Chinese, so I can't say, like, well, I'm Korean, I can't. but did you get to try the food? Did you get to experience anything else aside from the tournaments? I'm sorry? Did you get to experience uh, anything else aside from the tournaments in South Korea? 
Did you get the grub? Yes. Oh my gosh. The food was amazing. Um, the lady that actually runs uh, the coordination for Spider, her name is Minjin, and she took us to a different Korean restaurant every single night, and it was amazing. It was like top-notch food. So we had the Korean barbecue, too, and I think there was a video going around. I was like one of the, I think there was only like three females, and all the rest were the other world dancing guys. And it was funny because like they ate so much food. I think the cooks were mad at them because they had, I mean, and these are like big guys that are eating food and, you know, they have to keep on bringing it out, bringing it out, bringing it out. But it was, it was fantastic. It was a great time. That's cool, man. And, and you, you feel that it is expanding in Asia, just jujitsu and for females. Oh, for sure. I totally see it for the females growing and even the sport alone when you come out of the airport and you see this event on the airport, you drive down the street and you see them in the bill, the billboards. And, um, I really felt like it was an Olympic status tournament that they held spider in, in South Korea. It was amazing. They treated the guys top notch, anything they wanted, they got, it was very high end. It was very businesslike. And even at the tournament, we had people, they had fans that ran towards the fan, the vans that, that had the guys coming in, they had to have security to protect the jiu-jitsu guys, believe it or not. It was, it was crazy. They had posters of them up. They wanted them to sign it. It, it, was, it was just crazy. But it was amazing for them to experience that. That sounds like the athletes in Japan during the Pride Golden Era days. Like Ken Shamrock was seen as a god, right? They, he had his own comic book and... That's amazing that it took oh, yeah. this long, but it's amazing that it's happening now. Yeah, it, it, it was it was great. I mean, to hear like I was in the van with uh, with Edwin Najmi and and uh, Gabriel Artis, and they were chanting Najmi Najmi Artis. <laughs> it was it was just crazy, and they were trying to look in the van to see if they were in there, and it was just so surreal. I felt like I was like in Beatlemania or something. That that's really inspiring for me to hear because for me, I'm, you know, I have like a severe neck injury. I have like six herniated discs in my neck. So the way I can contribute oh. to jujitsu. Yeah. I've had it for like 12 years and it's almost like getting to a point where it's operation time, you know, but anyways, yeah. um, but my goal, like I'd love to be a contributor to jujitsu the same way Ariel Hawani does it, you know, or the same way, Max Kellerman, and hopefully jiu-jitsu oh, will become great. the NBA, you know? Yeah, it's, it's heading towards there. If we do if we do our due diligence well in our sport and we actually try to keep it more business-like, I think we have a chance. Do you feel more promotions, the better, or less promotions, but bigger the impact? If I put a gun to your less head. Less promotions. Yeah, I think less promotions because I think everyone wants to come out with their promotions and that's fine. But again, you you know, like we get people all the time coming in from EBI um, because I am, I, you know, I'm their official photographer. I We get a lot of like entries of like, well, I won this promotion and that promotion. And sometimes we don't recognize those promotions. Sure. And so we have to, we have to be like, okay, what IDJJF? Did you win? And and sometimes it's that, and sometimes it's other things that 
like Victor and, and Eddie take into consideration because they have the final say so whether or not you're going to come in or not. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard when you have so many different promotions trying to promote people onto their, to their cards. And I, I feel like if there was less, the better, like, I think all the promotions out there are great. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I think every single one is just amazing. But I think that there's a, just a little bit too many promotions trying to follow certain things and they don't do their due diligence. And I think that that's what really hurts um, our community a lot. Yeah, because for people who aren't into it, then they it becomes the lower-valued supermarket. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, wait, are you just vending bone-in ribeye on the street in a cart or you know what I'm saying? Not that it cheapens it, but it makes it less organized and the aesthetic of it going up, it kind of hinders it. It's bad. It's bad curb appeal. If that makes sense. Yeah. Now, now I, I know you might be biased because, um, you know, you're good friends with, uh, Eddie Bravo and, Master Vic, but so I'll ask this differently because I had a different way of asking it. But what what's good about how they screen EBI fighters and combat jujitsu fighters? We get the we get some of the best in out there, and this is the thing with combat jujitsu, we don't have to go looking for them. They actually come to us. Right. They actually come to them, and and like I said, these are professional fighters that are coming in that are well known that want to do this. I, I, I and think so like when, sorry, keep I'm, going. Ahead, I'm sorry. No, you keep going. Sorry. Well I, well, I felt like, you know, like when you, when, when we have somebody of, of a high rank that's ranked in the UFC or Bellator that want to come do this. And then we have this other person that comes in that has only done a few, tournaments but not really a lot and but they've done this promotion and that promotion but they're not ranked in even slow grappling or IBJJF status or BJJ hero status we're just like well who are you and we have to verify and that's the thing we do our research very well so we we always have to make sure that you know you say who you who you are and who you actually be so that's the other thing too but uh, like I said it's just a lot of work what we do, but we've been doing this now. It's going to be like what seven, six years. So I mean, we already have our blueprint of how we do that, and I think we've been very successful at it. I think Eddie and Mastervic run an amazing show, and I think that we do everything very well. I have to. You have to correct me on this because I look up to you as far as for your knowledge in jujitsu and everything. So check me. Okay, with this statement. Mm-hmm. I feel Joe Soto is critical in having MMA fighters wanting to compete in combat, jiu-jitsu, and EBI. Because when Joe Soto competed, no one expected him to go that far. Mm-hmm. You know? So what do you think about yep. that statement? Is that... Uh, you can be as indifferent... I, I no, I, I I love Joe Soto. So, Joe Soto is amazing. I think that it, it's right on the money. I think that if he hadn't done that, um, it wouldn't be on a lot of the UFC fighters' uh, radar in regards to that. And Joe did amazing. And he did go farther than a lot of people thought he was going to go. 
and you know he's just a warrior he's just a, an amazing badass guy yeah because w- after watching her i think he placed second and i think mm-hmm. he i think it was against eddie cummings yes if if i was joe soda i'd be like you know what maybe maybe there is room for mma fighters to train in something pure only you know because after interviewing so many MMA fighters, they are, they find training in jiu-jitsu with a gi the same way you find doing fashion photography. It's like a different release. They feel like they're, they're a little bit more creative. So I, I'm glad you agreed just to be selfish, but I'm also glad you agreed because <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is something poignant. Uh, can you do one or two more questions? I know you're just about ready to bounce. So Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'll keep it to one. How come you don't train with Tenth Planet, and you're like an honorary Eddie Bravo Master Vic sister? <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> Have you seen a warm up? Those guys are crazy. They like they do the warm ups of like standing. Um, Headstands, walks. I'm like, who does that? Like, no, that's okay. I love those guys. I, I love everyone in Ted's Planet, but no, I know I love those guys too. No, I would fall on my butt just trying to walk across with my headstands and all the crazy warm ups that they do. Uh, uh-uh. sorry, no, I'll pass. Plus, you have a profession where you have to. I mean, everyone does, right? But you have a profession where you have to keep your health. Oh yeah. Because you literally you know, use your whole body. Yes, I have to pick up at least um, 100 pounds. Like, my gear probably weighs me. Okay, maybe not 100 pounds. It weighs like uh, 20, 50 pounds. And that depends on what day or what I'm shooting. So, I, yeah. Everybody's like, how do you get so much muscles? And I'm like, it's uh, photography gear, cameras, lights. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. This has been great. Uh, Blanca, you, you've always been cool with me and I've observed you from afar. You've always been, been really cool to everyone. I hope you make a shit ton of money and explode even more in the career because you deserve it. You're a real cool cat. And, and then you're like one of those few that's like a DJ and producer so they can talk music. So you train in jujitsu and photograph all, all the, all the fighting arts. So you, you get a lot of props on, on my end and I'm sure a lot of people's eyes, man. I really appreciate you doing Thank this you. pod. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and I'm back here in the U S I just moved back to about seven months ago. No. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, so hit me up if, the, if there's any coverage that, you know, I mean, it's not like API or combat jujitsu needs coverage, but <laughs> you know, I mean, if anything, you know, any I'll fighters. You mine for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you again, right. and you deserve everything, and ho- hopefully more fruits come your way. Hopefully. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, take care. I'll, I'll text you Bye. sooner, if not later. Okay. Take Thanks. care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the show, and please subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We're also available on your favorite directories aside from iTunes, such as Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary and tune in. You can find us at believe.com. That's B L E A V E.com. And believe podcasts on social media. Now, if you want to get at me personally, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook 
at plug12. That's P-L-U-G-O-N-E-T-W-O. Hit me up and I'll read your questions or maybe even have you on the show. Believe in the fight game. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.